Welcome to Married at the Movies, a podcast where a married couple discusses their sometimes very different views on movies. I'm Monica. And I'm Sean. And this episode is the one you've been waiting for all year. It's the 2021 year in review. It's the most wonderful mm-hmm. time. And stop singing because intellectual property cops, etc. Oh, yes, we can't do that. Yes. yes. Uh, in this episode, we are going to recap our um, individual top 10 movies of the year. Uh, and we'll also dabble in some top movies that are new to us, not necessarily made um, or released in 2021, but some other movies we watched this year that we really enjoyed. And just a quick little worst slash most disappointing movies of the year, but we don't like to be negative, so we won't spend too much time on that. Um, and the way we're going to go about our list, uh, because some of them are the same, but in different um, slots on yeah, our top 10. we don't disagree all the time. We don't, actually. Um, we'll name our name our movies and their place from our individual lists, um, but the person that had the, the movie higher on their list, we'll talk about it later. So you might hear a movie. We don't talk about it, but we're going to talk about we're it gonna later. We're going to talk about it. We promise. We're going to so get there. So if you're like, what was that movie that Monica just glazed over? We'll come back to it. Yeah. We promise. And this time we're going to recap halfway through because we got some feedback last time that was like, it was a good episode and you talked about a lot of movies and then I couldn't keep track of what your lists were. Yes. And it'll also be on the website. So That's true. So we'll, um, you know. We'll... And by website, I mean Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> and Insta. Uh, yeah. And Insta. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's go ahead and get uh, If right I remember the password. Oh, we'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm going to start with my number 10 movie. Um, my number 10 movie this year was a movie called Plan B, which we will talk about later when it appears on Sean's list. Yes. Uh, Sean, what was your number 10? My number 10 was Aaron Sorkin's Being the Ricardos, which was actually your number 9. It was So tell nine. us why, Monica. Yes. Uh, Being the Ricardos, uh, we talked about it on a previous podcast, but this is Aaron Sorkin's new movie. Um, it features Nicole Kidman as uh, Lucille Ball and Javier Bardem as um, Desi Arnaz. Thank you. <laughs> and sort of like a week in the life of filming I Love Lucy. Um, and I I have it here. It's This is extremely surprising, everybody, that I have an Aaron Sorkin movie higher on my list than Sean does. And that... This movie barely made it on Sean's list is yeah very very surprising. Yeah, I'm like wondering if he was feeling okay. Um, but um, I had it here because it was back to original Sorkin, what he's good at doing. Um, just the quick dialogue, the building, the tension around, um, you know, a, a film, well, the TV set. Mm-hmm. He really does a good job of like making a movie within a movie almost. Um, kind of feel to it, right? Yeah. And I thought, I thought the acting was great, and I thought he told a really good um, story. That despite the one mockumentary type, yeah, thing in the beginning, oh, which we boy. talked about, which we didn't like, mm-hmm. um, I do think it's a really good film that so many people would enjoy watching. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, it was number ten, and it was the the bottom half of my list, and the, specifically like the bottom three and two are just roll the dice because like there's so many that i don't know it was a bottleneck of like six movies for those final mm-hmm. two spots so um ultimately i went you know with sorkin the comfort food of my mm-hmm. movie diet um but i think it was it was 10 because of 
the framing device with the mm-hmm. documentary it makes absolutely no sense and adds absolutely nothing to the story and because ultimately there's there's not really any lines or specific scenes that like super stand out and stuck with me throughout mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. like this was a and recent movie so that, yeah there's yeah. usually something that's like oh that turn mm-hmm. or that that way he phrased that mm-hmm. or anything that you know just kind of like stuck in my head and is something that i can hear over and over again that's a good point. um but yeah ultimately a, a great film about um you know uh i think intelligence of mass amounts of people and about um the importance of the unimportant world that is hollywood mm-hmm. and how much uh weight we give them in and influence and in culture and politics mm-hmm. um especially during the you know studio system style like the tail sure. end of that style of a of a era sure. um so yeah great film mm-hmm. sorkin excellent performances and the other thing javier bartem does not look like desi arnaz and just doesn't oh. like didn't feel like desi to me um he was a great gotcha. character because you grew up with desi and i would see right <laughs> Nick at Night was a thing. It was Dick Van Dyke, I Love Lucy, Mary Tyler Moore, Taxi. These are all fantastic shows that people should watch. Okay? Anyway. Oh, so what, what is the movie that inched out to being the Ricardos for you at your number nine? So my number nine was In the Heights, which, again, is higher up on Monica's list. So we will discuss it in depth then. Moving on to our number eight slot. Uh, I have Map of Tiny Perfect Things, a really, really cute uh, teenage rom-com. I believe this was a Hulu film. Yes. Uh, I think so. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's a time time loopy time travel movie, which I'm not usually into, but um, it focuses on a teenage boy who is repeating the same day right. every day. And then slowly he discovers that there is another person who is also stuck in this time loop with him. Um, and that's all I'll say about it, really. Yeah, that it, that's all you need to know. Yes. Um, and it's just a really cute, feel-good, but not one of those, like, overly cheesy, unrealistic teenage, you yeah. know, like, oh my gosh, we're so in love and we're going to be together forever type of thing that it's much more real, like, mm-hmm. fling, not even fling, but it's just, it's more realistic. To yeah, what the, the characters are as a teenager is like. kind of fully fleshed out and, like, they act they behave as humans yeah. it's not archetypes and this kind of romeo juliet style like they find each other amongst this crazy circumstance or yeah. whatever and so it's like groundhog's day meets like teenage rom-com but mm-hmm. better than groundhog's day and better than most like 90s teenage <laughs> sure yeah yeah i could see that <laughs> for sure uh it's just one of those movies I- i'll i've put it on on the like background doing other things a couple of times since i first watched it hmm. uh just really fun to watch enjoy and i think it's not you know the greatest written film ever no uh, but if somebody's looking for a list of movies hey that i should watch I mean, that's definitely one i'm gonna put on the list if yeah. you want a cute um not 100 percent predictable like, no there's, some, there's like, a couple of curveballs in there yeah. that are are not so far like outside of the tone of the film I mm-hmm. think that they kind of do, you know, one hits harder than the other, mm-hmm. um, from what I remember. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think uh, for the most part, it's 
it's uh, it might end up where you kind of assume it will. Yeah, but like how but, they get there isn't exactly. Yeah, and not even to the extent. You know, it's maybe, not like an airport scene. You know, right, like running yeah. on the plane, stop the plane type yeah. of thing. But even outside of like. I know that the term rom-com could turn some people off to it because, you know, there is a certain aspect of that that you expect when Mm -hmm. you hear that as a descriptor for a film. And I would say the first, you know, 30 minutes of this are like not even like it doesn't even concern itself with the romance of it all. it's more funny. There's just a lot of really, really well shot, like essentially think of someone who's behaving as if they know everything that everyone around them is going to do and how cool that person can look because they know exactly what's going to happen they can mm-hmm. time things and they can and that the be next in the day right spot forget. yeah so you can really mess with somebody and it doesn't matter yeah it has so there, no there's some just wonderful playing with that trope as well mm-hmm. that um i think uh you know we had palm springs last year which was mm-hmm. kind of a similar vibe yes um but i i, I feel like this did it better well and it also ends with actually some real stuff yeah and like real sort of like life questions mm-hmm. and and i cry mm-hmm. too there's yeah definitely no it's a scene that, that that i cry it is uh it's like a trojan horse of a thinker <laughs> because it's kind of wrapped in this package that you're not expecting it from absolutely and it's uh yeah no it's uh it was definitely in contention for the bottom part of my list mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm glad it made it to yours so that we can uh discuss it for it sure is. yeah um all right i'm uh, moving on to sean's number eight do you have a number eight sean so my number eight again is one higher on your list <laughs> so i'll let you take the lead uh as we swing into talking about oh. spider-man wow. no way home yes Yes, that is at my number seven, which is uh, the next slot that we're on. Uh, this movie was just so much fun. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, I, I had high expectations anyway. Um, I mean, I love Tom Holland as Tom Holland as Spider-Man. is the perfect Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Come at me. Fight me, <laughs> at me. I do not care. It's at Kreider Designs on Twitter, <laughs> at Kreider Designs on Instagram. He is pitch perfect. <laughs> For Peter Parker. He's very That's angry. a lot of peas, and I'm, I'm very happy that I got this uh, pop shield thing from yes. a microphone. Uh, hopefully it worked. But, yeah, he's he's just so good, and he seems age-appropriate. Tobey mm-hmm. Maguire was, like, 40 yeah, <laughs> playing Peter Parker. Yes. Like, it never looked real. And Andrew Garfield was good, but always had that kind of, like, I don't know, he had, like, a maturity and a look mm-hmm. that didn't, to me, like really read teenager in over his head which yeah, is agree. what spider-man should be mm-hmm. tom holland plays that so well so well so so well and then yeah i i, I kind of cut you off no, so you I can mean, continue to talk similar about at the list uh no i mean i don't want to say too much about it without giving things away yeah obviously we're not going to spoil it because this is i mean although you know it made 40 million dollars on a thursday night in yeah. the pandemic era yeah. so people are going to watch this film yeah but um but it's just got great it's got great action scenes um i mean what they do with the flipping around and the, it's just so awesome um the the theme is heart-wrenching but really good yeah also and um and it's hilarious mm-hmm. <laughs> again can't really talk about that too specifically without giving things away about yeah there's what makes so much so more i want to say i feel like we might devote part of a future episode to this film yes. because there is a lot to talk about mm-hmm. when you can discuss it openly and discuss all the you know 
the weird production nuances behind this and the mm-hmm. um the way that they handle storyline of characters yes. like which is as vague <laughs> as i want to be, be. um but yes i will i'll just reiterate that tom holland is an absolute perfect spider-man that these films i think uh dipped in the middle mm-hmm. I, I think uh homecoming was a great movie mm-hmm. um i think far from home mm-hmm. i don't really so, remember was, much okay. about it at all that it was, was fine in Europe, right? yes yeah and it ends with you know um peter parker's identity has, being yeah. revealed mm-hmm. which is like the main thing that you i think remember from that film yeah and that's kind of all you can say about it yeah it wasn't it was but okay. the way that this one wraps up the trilogy mm-hmm is it's beautiful is yes chef's kiss yes said, very good so yes yeah. um go see it i yeah. i i don't know where we might we should do a whole episode where we rank our marvel movies oh but, there you go um that could be like three and a half hours okay. <laughs> um but, but yeah it's up there it's you. it's it's a fantastic marvel film Agreed. and uh, yeah yeah, yeah. Go um, see it. That was my number seven. Mm-hmm. Um, so can we talk about your number seven? Uh, yes. My number seven was Plan B, which, uh, again, was Monica's number ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the story of two friends uh, searching for the Plan B pill mm-hmm. uh, in Utah, where uh, there is a law that uh, the uh, pharmacist mm-hmm. is uh, empowered to refuse to sell... Uh, any medication to someone if it goes against their beliefs their, or their morals or moral yes yeah. um and the it's i want to say it's like book smart meets mm-hmm. road trip yeah kind of meets um i guess though we've never seen them uh some uh never rarely sometimes always and unpregnant oh yes <laughs> um there's been a lot of these you know uh movies surrounding the topic yes access to uh, reproductive rights rights, and Mm -hmm. and everything um this was hilarious it was heartfelt it was um extremely well acted by two uh pretty much unknown actresses and um the relationship in the film just feels completely real and lived in and you know, like these these actresses aren't really portraying characters; they're like actually friends in real life it and just kind of like hanging that, yeah. out on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's even true, yeah, but um, yeah, and it's uh, it it tackles a lot of issues, um, you know, without being I think preachy or kind of uh, heavy handed mm-hmm. with it. And at the end of it is just kind of a beautiful story about friendship, about growing up, about. Mm-hmm self-identity and you know finding who you really are Mm -hmm. and being able to be who you really are um in the face of parents that may seem oppressive Mm -hmm. and you know um cultural stigmas and and everything yeah definitely hit on a lot of and like gender um stereotypes and or um like double standard really is is more what it's about very much but i think it, it was really about like two two teenagers who like you know are trying to figure themselves out but generally have like a good head on their shoulders mm-hmm. and are dealing with something that they shouldn't have to deal with yeah like the i feel like the writers and directors are saying like why is this a thing mm-hmm. <laughs> why should these this you know teenage girl right m- made a mistake why should this be so difficult for her to figure out yeah and this could possibly ruin her life and those types of things right 
but it doesn't um it doesn't really come off as like you said preachy or like no oh this is such a political movie no like, it's just the because they I mean, play there's definitely some under there's definitely undertones of yeah. like this is ridiculous mm-hmm. you know that women should have access to reproductive rights <laughs> right <laughs> but along with that there are there are very uh broad physical comedy moments mm-hmm. and there are very just um like witty dialogue exchanges Absolutely. And, yeah so if you liked then ridiculous some situations where you're like that would how could you get yeah. yourself in that situation yeah there's some great like <laughs> teen comedy style humor in this as well it's almost so like american it's, pie in some ways it's like. it's got that kind of a feel yeah like that, that kind of some of that raunchy humor is yeah also in it. that like yeah yeah very much so um so you know if you've liked any of the things we've kind of touched on as you know references or or uh you know parallel kind of uh you know vibes mm-hmm. <laughs> check it out because um it's really great and it'll uh i think it should hit your heart in multiple times yeah it's definitely gonna make you laugh but it's gonna make you think too yeah. and i like those types of movies <laughs> yeah for sure mm-hmm. um so let's move on uh, up the list, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you will. Uh, so, Monica, what was your number six? Number six uh, was not on your list at all, which was very surprising. Yeah, I Sean know. Sean doesn't have any animated movies on well, his spoilers, list. Well, spoilers, Monica. Oh, so, oh, sorry. Wow. Sorry, he doesn't. <laughs> um, my number six is Encanto, uh, which we talked um, a lot about in a previous episode. Yes, but the one right is, before this. This is the animated um, film with mu- lyrics and music written by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Mm-hmm. And it's about um, a girl who lives in a magical family, but she does not have magic. Right. She is unmagical in this magical family. And it focuses on her and her <sighs> trying to find herself. Um, and I just I just enjoy this movie so much for many reasons. Um, the, the songs are really great. Mm-hmm. Very Bangers. fun to listen to. Lin-Manuel doing what he's... Great bangers, at. is that what you said? Yeah. No. <laughs> They're bops. Oh. Bangers. <laughs> this movie slaps. I don't know. What do the kids say? <laughs> what do they ever the kids That's, say these days? Those all are probably at least six months old by now. But, uh, yeah, right? Yeah. And um, and the story is just a really great theme, you know, mm-hmm. about, oh, you're unmagical because you don't have a special gift and right. what it means to find your gift and your talents and, um, and some, like, even deeper themes, too, about like expectations and mm-hmm. the pressure of trying to be the best and to be magical and mm-hmm. all of those things. And what is strength? Exactly. Really? Yeah. What does it mean to be strong? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that I like, yeah, sort of each character kind of carries their own like lesson or theme mm-hmm. with it, which I, um, I really enjoyed. I feel like so many people could relate to different characters and it was visually very diverse too. Yes. Which is nice to see. Yeah. And visually as well, the art direction um, is incredible. The colors mm-hmm. are, are wonderful. The character design is great. The um, direction and, and the way that they depict action um, in multiple forms mm-hmm. is is excellent. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, I think... Yet, yet it wasn't on your list. I think what kept it off my list, and this was one of the you know six films vying for the final two spots, what kept it off my list is that I think the strongest parts of this film are the musical sequences mm-hmm. and that things in between those feel slightly flat for me there's okay. a couple jokes here or there that are fun and there's one you know kind of heartfelt moment that i i still feel is rushed um the climax of it okay. just feels kind so it's of rushed. like 
they asked Lin-Manuel to write the music first, and then they were like, how can we make this story work around these <laughs> yeah, songs? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. that's kind of what you do in a musical, right? Or at least you well, plot, like, emotional yeah, points. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I think the... Yeah, the quality of of the musical numbers and those kind of like music videos to mm-hmm. me is higher than the whole. Okay, I could I could see that point of view. Yeah, I still so, think it should be. Yeah, I know. I it killed me to not have an animated one. Like, yes. Yeah. Oh, but that's okay. The next one on your list is fantastic. So, <laughs> what is your number six, Sean? Wow. Wow. I hope that nobody's phone shorted out because I was dripping with so much sarcasm <laughs> that go put your phones in some rice. Um, my number six film was Zola, which we have discussed on the podcast before. Um, this film literally blew me away because I was like expecting a, uh, just an interesting story of this mm. crazy weekend told through a tweet storm um this is the film based on uh, a dancer's 200 and some tweet thread about a weekend that she spent with a person named zola and it's incredibly done uh the direction is sorry I'd say done or dumb done oh okay you didn't hate this film <laughs> it was dumb it was fun but I mean, I didn't know you're right. I didn't hate it, but it was nowhere in consideration for my top ten whatsoever. Anyway, continue. It was uh, directed like it was so surprisingly kinetic and just kind of like incredibly high energy for what the story was and the the choices that the director made. And I should have written that down. But it's an A24 movie, so you know it's going to be a little weird, a little out there, and something that's not going to be seen by a whole lot of people. Um, but, yeah, ultimately, I just feel like this is a kind of movie that I hadn't seen before. There was a lot in here that surprised me for the tone of it, for the subject matter, the just visual interest. And, um, yeah, I thought it was <laughs> incredibly well acted and like superbly directed like i'm gonna look up who it was yeah, and then um, add them to my list Genisa of directors Bravo? yes Gen- okay i'm not sure how to yeah Gen-Z. No. Yeah. yeah um so bravo to oh, wow. them <laughs> yeah wow. yeah i don't that one that one hurt me <laughs> yeah. um but yes yeah, though it was great i i thought it was was excellent excellent it was an experience yes uh so that that was both of our number six films Mm -hmm. so let's just kind of run down the back half for people so that they can follow along sure so what was your six through ten six through ten i'll start from ten uh ten plan b nine being the ricardos eight map of tiny perfect things seven spider-man six Encanto. Oh, that's where we're stopping. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my number 10 was Being the Ricardos. Number 9, In the Heights. Number 8, Spider-Man uh, No Way Home. Number 7, Plan B. And number 6, Zola. So <laughs> this will bring us into the top 5 for each of us. What was that? That was a drum roll. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sounded like a cat with a hairball. Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, so Monica, why don't you kick us off with your number five? Sure, because uh, my number five was your number nine. Yep. I have In the Heights at number five. Um, oh, look at that. Lin-Manuel back-to-back on my list. Wow. Uh, this is the film adaptation of Lin-Manuel Miranda's first um, Broadway musical. Uh, one, he won the Tony for that. Mm-hmm. And then later got the MacArthur Grant from that also. Uh, in the Heights takes place during... Um, takes place in... The Heights. Washington. Yes, Washington Heights. And <laughs> uh, centers um, around... Uh, like Puerto Rican culture mm-hmm. um, at the time in this is like what the eighties no it, no it's uh, very late nineties if not early two thousands oh, really? yeah they reference big pun and uh, oh, okay. Nas's Illmatic oh okay I think yeah yeah I mean I, I want to really, say it's early two thousands doesn't necessarily matter the time period in it uh, it's more yeah, about the in the not too and, distant past let's say yes um, and it's I mean it's just mostly like the musical, mostly singing, mm-hmm. you know, all the way through with some little bits of dialogue uh, in between. But it's just so much fun. The way he can tell a story through music is just incredible. Um, Anthony Ramos is, I think, going to be in up and I hope so. I, I, star. I put him in a lot of things because he's, he's really good. And he's a lot of, like, fun. He's just got that, like, movie star charisma that, mm-hmm. like, you want to hang out with his character no matter kind of who he is unless he's playing, like, a you know showing his range and playing like some kind of monster um but yeah put him in yeah. stuff and um uh chris uh, chris jackson christopher jackson well he cameos in it but he's only in it for like a minute oh that's right just at the end yeah that's right never mind i'm thinking of the original yeah the broadway one yeah he played benny on broadway that's right um and uh yeah it's just a fun uh really fun but also some deeper deeper themes you know about um, your duty to where you're from, whether, you know, in this case, like Puerto Rico, but also now in Washington Heights. Yeah. Um, what What does your home actually mean? Yes. Um, what does your family actually mm-hmm. mean? You know, that kind of. Yeah. So it's, it's it has a sweet, you know, a sweet spot in it as well. It's mm-hmm. not just all singing and dancing. Yeah. Um, but that was my number five. Yeah. Uh, and, did you have a number five? Or did well, you want to talk more about it? Well, yeah. I mean, I was just going to say it was my number nine, essentially solely because I liked the others better. Like, there's not mm-hmm. much to detract from it. There's some absolutely, uh, absolutely, <laughs> not, <laughs> it's not that late. Yeah. <laughs> um, absolutely visually stunning things in here. The the dance number that takes place on the sides of and tops of buildings mm-hmm. and just the sunsets and the way that they recolor um the block itself, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of the vibrancy and everything is just a it's it's a delight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah, so that's the only reason it wasn't higher on mine just cuz I liked everything that I'm going to oh, talk about better, just yes. <laughs> just better. Uh so my number 5 was Ride the Eagle. And uh this was like it's one of those things where you scroll through uh, Hulu and you see just kind of like a thumbnail for something and you're just like, oh, it's uh, Jake Johnson. That's cool. Um, and then you see the, you know, the synopsis or um, and it's about Jake Johnson has uh, left a inheritance from his mother who mm-hmm. has recently passed away. But in order to get the inheritance, she's got a lot of um essentially tasks and like soul searching type things Mm -hmm. that he's got to jump through in order to do it Mm -hmm. so um 
the film is about him at his mother's cabin doing these, you know, tasks, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I just found it incredibly beautiful and moving. And Jake Johnson, honestly, is, I think, one of my favorite actors. He can play comedic, like, out of nowhere, lightning strike type hilarity that, mm-hmm. like, makes you gut laugh or you know lose your breath and have to pause yeah. like he can be that funny and he can also play like really introspective and yeah like in this film hurt and in pain mm-hmm. like so incredibly well mm-hmm. i think he's like super talented and he shows all of that off here absolutely um susan sarandon plays his mother uh who only appears via videotape mm-hmm. um you know, in her messages to him and her uh, explaining what he's got to do in order to get the inheritance. And Darcy Carden, who we both absolutely adore from The Good Place, she oh, played yes. Janet, um, plays kind of uh, an ex-love interest slash um, confidant slash mm-hmm. shoulder to cry on type yeah. character. Um, I think if I remember correctly, there's a tiny bit of will they, won't they, but that is very, very like secondary to the the plot of uh jake johnson's character coming to grips with who his mother was what their relationship was Mm -hmm. and the ending of it abruptly yes um and uh jk simmons also makes an appearance and he just makes every film better uh that there is you know Mm -hmm. so i just just a, a small little movie that we stumbled upon on hulu that just kind of blew my hair back and really was uh a beautiful look at uh, grief. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, this was a movie that I had considered um, putting on my list. I think for me, it was just one of those movies that, like, I enjoyed enjoyed it while I was watching it. Mm-hmm. But at the end, it wasn't a movie that I was like, "Other people need to see this." And sure, yeah. And we often talk about how we have different views on what makes something a great movie. Yeah, and for me, like accessibility is one of them Mm. and it's not really for you yeah that like i'm like other people should watch and other people you know would enjoy this film and appreciate this film where you know i don't think it necessarily had that like everybody should watch this yeah and i i don't think it needs it because this is my personal list of of 10 films you know that's the only difference yeah i just i I just feel every film is going to hit somebody differently you know and so there are you know objective opinions of what can make a film great mm-hmm. um but on subjective lists like this i think objectively it's a very strong film oh, absolutely. and then subjectively just this is why it's that high up on mine mm-hmm. you know um but yeah i think that excellent films can be excellent for 20 percent of the population mm-hmm. you know and they don't have to be uh mass appeal or giant things that everybody's gonna get and mm-hmm. you take your family to and etc yeah. oh, family i just like when your film is so niche to this like small group of people, then to me it's not a great film. Yeah, but I'm not even talking about family mm-hmm. like in the sense of kids. I'm talking oh, okay. like you know you get together with your sister and your mom gotcha. on Christmas or whatever, and you go sure. take them both to the movies. Mm-hmm. You know, probably so, not a good movie to watch on Christmas because it's kind of sad. But yeah. <laughs> it's sad, but it's also <laughs> it's hopeful. It's optimistic, and mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, it's kind of just a um, I don't want to say like life goes on type. You know, message, but like, like moves on. But like, yeah, yeah, like, like move on. we'll get through it, and you know, these are you know ways that we kind of 
means to help us do that Mm -hmm. you know agreed so yeah i i very much enjoyed it and i have a feeling we're gonna have very similar uh discussion on my number four but let's get to your number four first oh yeah oh boy that's an uh inverse surprise um for me number four surprisingly because when i saw the preview for this film i was like Oh boy, another movie that's partly in black and white and Hollywood's going to go crazy for it because it's <laughs> Kenneth Branagh. Uh, and that movie is Belfast. Uh, but I was very pleasantly surprised uh, with this movie. I thought it looked extremely depressing, which it is. Uh, well, it's depressing. But I'm going to take away the extremely. Um, it takes yeah. place in um, Northern Ireland. In, um, in Belfast? Shut <laughs> <sighs> Um, Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> I just like that he loves to setting up the movies that literally have their location yes. in the title with where they take place. In the Heights doesn't indeed. There's lots of places that are called something Heights. So, shut. Anyway, um, Kenneth Branagh claims this is a like semi-autobiographical film about his childhood in Northern Ireland during the 1960s. Um, During with, the Troubles. Yes, the Troubles of, you know, um, Protestants and Catholics um, in that. But it was done so well in that it really follows, like, both literally and, like, the way it's directed. Like, these low shots of, like, feet often and um, from the point of view of this little boy. Who's probably, like, eight, nine, maybe ten. I'm so bad at judging ages. Maybe, like, ten. He's in, like, primary school. Yeah, so it's like nine or ten. I, I, I would like. say, like, eight, nine, yeah. somewhere in there. Um, and first of all, that kid is fantastic in it. Uh, amazing it performance. So Absolutely one of the greatest child performances yeah. like that I've ever seen. Um, and it, what I really enjoyed about this film is that it managed to take a sad time period, but still in the end make it hopeful. Um, so it, mm-hmm. it kind of showed the, the evils of people, you know, the, and sort of the irony of fighting over religion, you know. Like, is this what your gods right. really want you to do to fight, you know, and mm-hmm. hate each other? But then also just seeing the human element of it and through the innocent eyes. Like, it sounds like a strange comparison, but like, in ways it reminded me of To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, okay. Um, I have a stranger one. Oh. Because <laughs> in ways it reminded me of a Christmas story. <laughs> oh, okay. Kind of see that too. Um, and like, I don't like a Christmas story, by the way, oh. <laughs> but in, in similar ways of, you know, the the gaze of a, a young yes. boy um but like in you know to kill a mockingbird she's seeing like racism through the point of view of a i think she's like 10 or 11 mm-hmm. in that yes. book that doesn't totally understand what's going on and doesn't understand why people just can't be nice to each other right why people are hating her dad and the little boy kind of has the same thing like not mm-hmm. understanding why people are trying to hurt his dad or why people are yeah you know why he can't hang out with certain people or why people at school don't want to hang out with him because yeah. you know how do you know someone is protestant or catholic and mm-hmm. um and something about looking at a depressing time in history like through the eyes of a child yeah. kind of just makes it hopeful mm-hmm. at the same time to me it felt and i'm by no means an expert on it on the you know situation or the culture mm-hmm. To me, it felt distinctively Irish in that sense. Okay. Just even in the way that they call it the Troubles, which mm-hmm. is like, like 
almost cute yeah, right. <laughs> for like this horrible period of mm-hmm. civil war and unrest and like terrorism mm-hmm. just it kind of has that feeling of you know just um just that like you know so is life and we'll get through it and mm-hmm. you just go on and you know find a way to to live mm-hmm. and and like within the tr- like you say like the troubles where it's like that this was also just about a family having regular or like universal troubles yes yes that they that, you know yeah. like marriage family you dad's know, issues. trying to find work and yeah. you know she uh katriana balfi mm-hmm. uh which i might have butchered that mm-hmm. uh pronunciation fantastic yeah, really in great. this movie he uh she plays uh the buddy's mom mm-hmm. and oh my goodness yeah just uh, wonderful performances from her and jamie dornan um who we'll discuss a little more uh later oh yeah <laughs> uh but yeah i ultimately i don't think it made my list because at the end of the day I, i'm just looking for something a little newer a little fresher okay. in terms of you know ideas mm-hmm. and just i don't know to me it didn't say anything to like really blow my hair back and be like wow that's something i've never considered where you know things like um you know to a certain extent in the heights uh you know being the ricardos and even like zola and plan b Mm -hmm. shine a light on other cultures and other like dealings of you know peoples that are a little less well trod in hollywood okay um whereas you know just like um, borderline impoverished Europeans in black and white and mm-hmm. like white people is just kind of like a yeah okay it's like Oscar bait to okay. me um, but I, for me because it really focused on the point of view of the boy that's mm-hmm. what made it sort of new to me like a different perspective yeah like looking at the innocence of the situation yeah. Uh, and I thought it was directed very well. I don't think it was bad by any means. Mm-hmm. It just didn't make my top 10. Yeah, I'm surprised it didn't make your it, list. It's, it was, again, one of those that's kind of, you know, mm-hmm. it was vying for spots 8 through 15. Mm-hmm. If I extend to a top 20, it's there without even questioning. Sure. You know. Um, yeah, man, making this list this year was incredibly difficult for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's move on to your number four. Mm-hmm. I'll take a nap while you... While you talk about it. Oh, wait, no, that's what I wanted to do during the movie. <laughs> Again, you make it out like you hated this film. It was. And you did not. Our, we podcast about this one. Yes. That one was a funny episode. The, no, let's go. Are you going to set me up? Or? Yes, I'm sorry. Your number four was what, John? My number four. And for people paying attention at home, mm-hmm. uh, this shouldn't be terribly surprising. It's The Dig. Uh, a Netflix film starring Ray Fiennes and Carrie Mulgan that I uh, lavished with praise and, um, you know, heaped uh, plotitudes upon (laughs) (laughs) for a good 18 minutes. I actually re-listened to that podcast um, (laughs) when I was uh, putting together my list just Mm -hmm. to kind of refresh my memory on what I thought of some of these films Mm -hmm. when they came out. And I stand by everything that I said Mm -hmm. about uh, that film it's incredibly well directed to play with the visual metaphor of okay your face is like really hard to talk to right no, now I'm honestly, <laughs> you are so blase no i'm just honestly trying to like remember this movie that there was like there was some boat there was like a boat 
and they had to dig it up. Yes. Like, to me, if I can't remember, like, it was fun while it was going on, but, like, by the time it was done, I, like, had forgotten it already. So my face is just trying to look at this synopsis of the movie and try to remember exactly what it was about so I could argue it with you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry, continue about why it was so great. No, it's just, <laughs> it's wonderfully directed. And again, a, a film that really surprised me, like came out of nowhere. Sure. Um, about time and about how we leave legacies to those ahead of us. And by mm-hmm. uncovering those legacies, what does it mean for our futures mm-hmm. and our present? And what, um, you know, burying is, Mm -hmm. you know, that's like a theme, um, what gets buried and what gets uncovered. Mm -hmm. Um, There's just so many wonderful, like, textual metaphors and layers to this film that Mm -hmm. it really was just one of one of my favorites. And this, again, is definitely not a not for everybody movie. This is, you know, a very particular person. And possibly even a very particular mood, you know, if mm-hmm. I had tried to watch it because I had heard other people talk about it toward, you know, this week, like mm-hmm. I have with a, a bunch of movies, you know, maybe it's not, doesn't hit me the same way. But mm-hmm. that night, whenever we watched it, um, yeah, I just found it to be incredibly moving and um, really just kind of a an awesome look at so many different views of uh, culture and art and the way man looks upon itself mm-hmm. yeah and those things were there no i didn't i did not hate this movie it's just we like tell that to vastly, your face it was just we vastly you like loved it yes and i was like it was good uh but for me not very memorable yeah um and i do remember the one thing that i really didn't like about it the one secondary storyline yeah i really hated um that like if that weren't in it i probably would have liked it mm-hmm. a whole lot more yeah that it was just a little too like too much of an obvious like foil to what was happening yeah that i didn't um that's what i didn't particularly um enjoy it felt really long too Mm. that it was like super slow for me i i yeah it's definitely slow to me it never felt long though because Mm. i was very interested in the the themes that it Mm. kept examining and poking at um but again it wasn't awful we just no really disagree on how good it was and if you want to hear more of my ramblings and monica's anger at my um (laughs) let's say textual prowess yes (laughs) um that's right i remember being like if you have to think that hard then it's not yeah yeah you were mad you were mad at me because i was pointing things out and you said that the director definitely didn't intend them yes i agree um so go back and listen to episode 19 where we discussed (laughs) that and another uh pretty cool movie called the black box uh, that that we watched earlier this year Mm -hmm. um so we can move on so that monica you know comes back awake (laughs) okay uh so go ahead and and uh we're Talk on your number three, yes. Top three. The third movie for me does not appear on Sean's list at all. So we're probably going to argue a little bit on this one. Uh, and that is Don't Look Up. And this was a Netflix, yes, mm-hmm. Netflix film um, about uh, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Jonah Hill, Meryl Streep, a little cameo by Timothy Chalamet as well. And it is a satirical look um, at a comet heading straight towards earth and for certainty is going to hit earth and science versus politics is really Mm -hmm. what um this is about and it doesn't doesn't try to hide the fact that it is a um you know 
scathing indictment of a previous administration. Yes. Okay. <laughs> but I, I mean, I even think it's beyond Trump, though, too. Sure. Because yeah. Because global warming has been a thing for many years. No, that's true. So yeah. I don't necessarily think. I think the post-truth era is definitely in there, but I do yes. think it's like. Any politician has well, and the has nepotism to ignore... and the yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot that's there, but yeah. yes, I will agree that it's not solely you know a you know skewered. They're to, not trying yeah. to be like Trump ignored global warming. Yeah, no, no, no. like they're not saying that. Literally they're, everybody. Yeah, does. they're saying politicians because it's not convenient for them are mm-hmm. you know ignoring the inevitability of global warming and climate change. Um, but it is, <laughs> I just loved it on so many levels. It was so funny. Um, that but like sad funny at the same time because you're like oh my god this is exactly what's happening this is supposed to be satirical but it's kind of not mm-hmm. this is kind of exactly what's happening jonah hill is just a gem uh in comedy and, that i completely agree with yeah and leo i think is gonna like not get noticed for this movie he did he was amazing in this movie he was great kid this both the comedic element and the um dramatic element in it as well and Jennifer Lawrence is also just awesome. Yeah, she's she's great. Everybody is in it is great. Um, it's a good film to me. It's just not worthy of my top ten. Like it's it's not up there. Like just ranking wise and like what I rated it mm-hmm. wasn't high enough to even you know really be considered at the end of the day. It's very funny, mm-hmm. um, but I think at times also heavy handed and just like yeah okay it's cool it's you know it's funny um, it's terrifying but yeah, <laughs> yeah it's uh but yeah I, I mean is, the ending is great yeah we talked about it in our last episode so mm-hmm. go back and listen to that if you want to um, hear more of our thoughts on that but i think we can move on yes um uh, we should look up the list oh wow to, yeah you're just full of them now yeah I've uh, always has, uh, yeah that's my secret monica i'm yes. always full <laughs> <laughs> uh well yeah because this this next one is your number three mm-hmm. and my number two. Yes. So why don't we just go ahead and talk about it now? Yep. What film is that, John? That film is Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. Barb. <laughs> uh, Monica, where does this take place? <laughs> it takes place in Northern Ireland. <laughs> um, anyway, we uh, tackled this film earlier in the year, too, in uh, one of our previous episodes. And. This is episode 24, uh, Grab Bag, if you're looking back through your podcast feeds. Um, This film is one of the funniest movies I've seen in decades. Yes. From the start to the end, (laughs) there are very, very few moments without jokes that isn't to say all of them land no you know um there's a little bit of something for everybody in in all of the senses of humor but my goodness <laughs> this film is hysterical just the the chemistry between the two of them is just so fun i mean like and their character i truly believe like they're barb and star are like real people like, yes it doesn't even feel like they're acting yeah it feels like they followed two retired women mm-hmm. around and they just like captured it. yeah it's it's an incredibly silly movie um you know not everybody is gonna love the type of comedy that no. it is um because a film like this is n- never gonna get any sort of oscar attention yeah and that's and it's so 
funny and so good. Yeah, it it really is. And I mean it doesn't it it doesn't tackle any themes like, you know, the legacy of man or, no. you know, any kind of cultural uh stigmas or it doesn't challenge any perceptions of anything. It is no. just a fantastic time with a movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes that done to the level of this film mm-hmm. is enough to be one of the best movies of yeah. the year. Well, and I feel like it actually did have some like some nice themes about like friendship and um yeah. like um being good to yourself. Mhm. And yeah. like you know, giving yourself credit. Sure. Like that. that there were actually some Yeah. You know, it wasn't quite like dumb and dumber where there's like really no themes to go oh, on whatsoever. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> you yes. know what I mean? Like there it was actually still pretty like as a storyline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, there still well there is an emotional like there's a heart to this film for yeah, sure. Like a, What's the female version of a bromance? <laughs> Probably just female friendship because yeah, I don't know. <laughs> women are comfortable enough to say that and true, don't have to don't invent to a word. Romance. Yep, you're right. <laughs> also, point. there's just no nice rhyme yes. <laughs> that oh. goes. Because like um, their their ro- friendship is just so cute. Romance. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's no romance. Or, yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. No, it is. It's uh. You know, it's in the pantheon of uh, female friendship films mm-hmm. and uh jamie dornan just oh blows God, the so doors funny. down with his incredible performance so and funny. there's a there are a couple musical numbers oh uh, of which his is i think the high watermark oh so good so funny the um, the last image of the film is yeah. just well i don't know if it's saying the final image but mm-hmm. like the final like big scene of the movie it's just so perfect and stupid and awesome all at the same time yes like you need to watch this movie if yeah you not this is this to me is like better than bridesmaids oh. like better than anchorman i would say i would i agree um you know it's on that elite level of comedy mm-hmm. and it's really a shame that it came out during the pandemic era yeah. because i don't you know, comedies don't typically do that great at the box office, but I feel like more people would know about this film at least if sure. there was and it would have a bigger been a, campaign. And it would be a would have been a fun experience in a theater with other people laughing. Yes. The communal aspect of mm-hmm. everybody laughing at the same time. Yes. Or being like one or two of the only people to get the joke, like thirteenth yes. joke in mm-hmm. two minutes of dialogue. Um, yeah. Uh go go seek it out. I think this is one of the three films that we actually paid premium vod price to pay and i would say it was the only one that was worth every penny agreed and now for something completely different yeah i'll say Uh, (laughs) actually sean's number one and two are both films that i did not see this year yes so i'm gonna ramble again so this is great podcast that's okay you don't have to ramble my number two was dune and going into this film i didn't really know anything about dune um when i started to watch twin peaks and when i finished the original series of that i kind of uh dove into the rest of david lynch's oeuvre so when i i put on uh dune his version of dune from Mm -hmm. the 80s and got maybe five minutes into it when i realized i was way too tired to watch anything by david lynch (laughs) so i went in completely cold to the dune universe and the mythology and and everything i I had no idea what it was i knew it was epic space and Mm -hmm. my god epic space is what you got (laughs) i don't think it's hyperbole for me to say that this is 
the new franchise that I look forward to the most. Hmm. Um, at least in the sci-fi realm. Uh, you know, Marvel films are always going to, like, pull sure. me in. Star Wars. Um, so, well, no, that's Marvel. I'm saying, like, Dune now, I'm, like, more excited for Dune than the exploration Star of, of of anything out there what? right now. So, like, Book of Boba Fett and, like, Mandalorian and anything like that, I'm more excited for Dune 2 than I am okay. for those. Aaron Sorkin barely making your list and <laughs> saying you're more excited for some new sci-fi than you are Star Wars stuff. This is until crazy. Until they show me that Star Wars can reach new territories okay. and, like, dispense with all of the old characters and move on to something new this to me is new okay and this to me is something that's incredibly exciting and multitudes of untapped narrative and story you do you Sean. um that is to say that i won't be reading the books probably to you know oh. to have the movie experiences be like the way that i connect to this franchise okay um essentially because they're very long books and they're very big but um anyway just to talk about the film it's uh timothy chalamet who's having a hell of a year um almost made my list twice uh because uh the french dispatch was actually a film that i flirted with as well Mm -hmm. um he gives um the first performance of his that i actually really uh could like connect to um i mean uh, yes of course he was great in call me by your name but i had a lot of issues with that film mm-hmm. um he's he's great in this as kind of a uh prince you know kind of learning about the world mm-hmm. and being thrust into it you know too soon and, and whatnot but yeah the the characters the settings the direction the art direction um just all absolutely floored me i saw it in imax and i think that's the only way i'm gonna see these movies because the vistas and the visuals on that scale mm-hmm. were just amazing. This was a three-hour film, I think, three hours and change. Ooh, um, that's why I didn't want to go see it. And I, <laughs> I would have sat through another two hours oh, of this world. I, I just absolutely love Denny Villeneuve's visual realization of this story, and I can't wait to see the second half of it. This is the first half of the first book of the series and oh, there, wow, really? there are multiples and they really gave it the time to breathe and build like every character and city and and really uh, there are some people that have read the books that told me that um a couple of characters get really short shrifted okay um but i think for a movie i was able to not really um it didn't really affect me to be like, well, that guy didn't seem all that too. He just seemed like more of an yeah, ancillary character. When you haven't read the book, when you read a book and you go see a movie, you definitely have a different right like, exactly outlook on it. Yeah, so I don't know. I might break down and and read the books, um, but they did greenlight the second one, and I'm cool. so very much looking forward to that. Um, so yeah, Dune number two. Nice. For okay, me. here we are. We are at our number Ooh. ones. Should, should we? <laughs> whoa! Should, should we, we run down the four? four? Yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> we're wording it very differently, but we had the exact same ideas. Yeah. Yes. So let's go back five through two for your your list. Yes. Five in the Heights. Four Belfast. Three Don't Look Up. Two Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they say Barb and Star. 
<laughs> it's more like barb. 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 Yeah. Uh, my number five. Wow. My number five was Ride the Eagle. Number four was The Dig. Number three was Barb and Dare. <laughs> number two was Dune. And our number ones. Yes. So, Monica, before we discuss your number one, yeah. we have to take a bit of a time out from the discussion of our favorite films to have another discussion, which is why your, and honestly, probably my favorite piece of media yeah, so from this year. My number one is actually two movies. <laughs> it's not being included in these lists, yes. technically, because we don't. Well, at least I very strongly do not consider it a film. It's just, I mean, it, it's yeah, it's on its own. <laughs> in and of itself, it's on its own thing. <laughs> yes. So that is Derek Del Gladio's In and of Itself. Which was a taped recording of a live performance. Yes. Um, like, And people may say, well, about Hamilton, was that the movie? And I would disagree that that is a movie. Yes. Yeah, I, the Oscars considered it to be so... Yes, um, neither of us considered it in our um, it's just, lists from last it's just year. You can't, you can't talk about direction. You can't talk about I mean, cinematography. You, like yeah, it's a you can, it's but a stage, it's very limited. It's stage and it, production. Yeah, it would have to be something incredibly. Because uh, I would argue, ingenious. like Hamil- watching Hamilton, I don't like it because there are zooming in on faces and like, mm-hmm. and it's a stage production. Like it's supposed yeah. to be, you're looking at the whole stage. The whole time yeah now this one in and of itself being a one-man show is a little bit easier to mm-hmm. kind of give a visual like style to because mm-hmm. it is just one thing and you're not yeah. you're not worried about capturing 40 dancers on stage at the same time sure. but now see i would argue the one thing that you could say is a film about this is that it was not one performance a single performance yeah that's it was true. a compilation of different Perform- yeah. He did like 30 performances or something like that. Uh, or... Well, yeah. Yeah. I don't know how many got recorded, but he, yeah, no, he's like done the, like hundreds yeah, of. of yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I mean, I would make the same argument against a concert film. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, I believe it was uh, David Burns, uh, the Talking Heads, oh. did like a concert film that was. Um, nominated for I think best documentary or something oh, like okay. that, mm-hmm. um, and I I argue that that's in the same way that is not a film to me. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that being said, this is still absolute genius, yes. and you know rightfully so at the top of lists. Yeah, because um, if you are say to me like if someone says I have two hours of time. Mm-hmm. What is the one thing from 2021 that you think I should watch? Yes. My answer is going to be in and of itself. Yes. It's it's going to be in and of itself and Ted Lasso. As yes. much yeah, as you can movies, cram into. Yes, movie, oh, as yes. far as like feature films or yes. feature presentations. Right. So we, that aside, we would we both would have agreed that in and of itself is the number one. Is like the number one thing to watch yes, on streaming services in 2021. Yes. yes. Uh, which is just absolutely brilliant and again if you want to hear more of our thoughts on that go back to episode 14 mm-hmm. where we spend an entire episode, episode on that awesome it <laughs> it's uh 49 minutes of just how it completely blew us away yeah. in so many different ways oh we need to watch that again yeah no. i actually i really do because i've only seen it once i've so. seen one and a half yeah and get through the, the second half yeah 
Okay, so Monica, what is... Yes, now back to the list. What is your number one? Number one movie on my list is so crazy that it's not anywhere on your list. Uh, And that is Coda. And this was a movie. It was um, on Apple TV, but was also... In theaters. They did a theatrical yes. release because you have mm-hmm. to in order to be considered, uh, you know, for uh, awards. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize as I was, like, learning more about it for this episode, um, it's actually based on an, um, an Australian film uh, that seems oh. to be more of a comedy. It's like La Famille Belair. Okay. Um, um, either way, they're both about a teenage girl who is the only hearing member of her family mm-hmm. her uh, parents and her brother are both deaf yes we uh, should mention that uh coda is actually an acronym stands for child of deaf adult yes but then also has a really cool double meaning yes. for coda in music mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty awesome um and oh she is a, a phenomenal singer and she wants to pursue music as her career you know that it's unfortunate that her family cannot hear what she's good at Mm -hmm. um and it's really about her family relying on her like so much as a crutch to communicate because she can both hear and you know speak sign language to them Mm -hmm. um so she's trying to decide you know i want to go off and go to college um but my family needs me right yeah it's being pulled in into two different worlds which mm-hmm. you know she's the only person that can walk between them for her family mm-hmm. but at the same time she's the only person that has to live in both yes you know is kind of uh in some sense kind of trapped in in both uh like half in each mm-hmm. and you know can't ever like fully be immersed in one or the other yeah and um and marley uh, marley matlin is the mother in the film um, and she is, you know, pretty big on inclusion um, in movies and actually using deaf yes. actors when you're portraying somebody mm-hmm. as being deaf. Um, and that's which is important. Of, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's I know that's a thing that, you know, she really tries to. Um, what's the word? Make happen. <laughs> yeah she's a champion yeah there you go champion inclusive. thank you that's the, the <laughs> yes. Important. yes yeah absolutely um but that that's the movie sort of in a nutshell um i just i haven't um shed so many tears during a movie <laughs> um in a long time as i did yeah. this one um though i can't even think of the oh inside out yeah this is the probably most, yeah this is the most i cried at a movie since inside out mm-hmm. I, not more than but since yeah. <laughs> Um, it was just, I mean, on just so many ways, just feeling the, I could feel the, like, the pain of this girl, like, trying to figure mm-hmm. out, even though I couldn't, I can't relate to it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what it's like to live in a world divided so right. clearly um, like that. But I could, I could see both points of view. I could, I could feel her pain. And sure. then also just seeing how the family how the family struggles there are some things too that i like i didn't even think about that would be hard for someone who's deaf mm-hmm. you know like i guess i take for granted how much i use my oh absolutely hearing, yeah your you privilege know? yeah so there were some points in this movie that i was like stupidly like 
oh yeah, that would be hard to do for someone that can't hear. <laughs> yeah. You know, and yeah, and in a way, it kind of made me more sympathetic and just kind of something to keep in the back of my head. I'm like, you want to try to include people in things like, mm-hmm. well, what if somebody can't hear? Like, right. what can you do for them? Sure. Um, that I thought it just kind of made me like a not a better person, but like just gave me more yeah. empathy. Yes. Yeah. Um, for, you know, for others, mm-hmm. which I mm-hmm. appreciated as well. Um, but it was just so well written and there were, man, there's just one scene. It's so beautiful. Yeah. I just get teary eyed thinking about it. Um, it's just, and it's not even, I wasn't crying even out of sadness. Like, no, there aren't really like sad things that happen. It's just the struggles yeah. of what, I mean, it's like, nobody dies or like no, you no, know, no. like something like oh my god this is so sad it's like it's sad to this specific situation yeah you know yeah that i just thought it was beautiful mm-hmm. it's a it's a very very good film um so why yeah. was it nowhere on your consideration <laughs> yeah that's what i'm curious about um i much like you had you know very similar reactions when we saw it in the theater um i cried a bunch too it is very, very well done. And, um, you know, for all the, the reasons you said, the representation, the, you know, cultural empathy that it brings and everything is is wonderful. And then I listened to a couple of podcasts that talked about it. And they brought up some um, very, I think, valid criticisms. Um, I'm not going to, you know, like steal exactly what they say. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you want to look out... Um, the film cast's uh, review of Coda. Um, it's partially mentioned in one of their episodes from earlier this year. Um, the, essentially, one of the main criticisms was that the deaf family in question is portrayed in a way that I think is partially harmful to the image of what it means to be deaf, where besides the daughter they're shown as kind of inept in the hearing world and kind of um purposefully like cordoned off from them Mm -hmm. um which i think is kind of a weird uh you know looking back at it it is kind of weird that they would portray that 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 that's the point of the movie Right, but the point is that they're not trying to fend for themselves, so they can separate themselves because she is helping them along the way. Like that's I don't I don't think they were like oh let's make this family helpless. They are yeah. choosing to be helpless because they're just like oh we'll just get her to do it we'll just get her to do it right but and it's through the movie that they step out of that box and realize like oh maybe we are putting too much pressure on her, but. The family also had to exist for, you know, the parents are probably, what, in the Mm mid-40s? So they existed for 40 years in the world without their hearing daughter. So it seems odd that they're, like, at this complete point of, like, not being able to function. Yeah, see, I didn't, I saw that as a a comfortability. Like, oh, now she's here. But then it wouldn't be a big deal if she left, because it'd be like, okay, we just go back to... You know the 30 years that we lived before we had a daughter yeah but they weren't trying to run their own business then oh. no but they were still mm-hmm. but it's even easier to run your own business than it would be to 
function within someone else's like hearing or business. They're, they're like, yeah, not their own business. But you know, yeah, I, I, I just, I, I, I thought that was done on purpose to show yeah. their, because if they, if they got along just fine without her, there wouldn't be any pressure for her to stay. Right. But I think that's the point of the criticism. And this isn't, you know, just on the podcast, mm-hmm. like this is out there in the deaf community too. Mm-hmm. Like they talked about that, the, that to portray like to have like one film you know how many films get made about you know this Mm -hmm. kind of subject matter and then to portray that is kind of detrimental to the Mm -hmm. cause it's fine because like everything i read said that the deaf community was very happy with it i i don't know i mean like again i'm just kind of like saying what they said but um i thought they brought up some good points and kind of soured me on it enough to not consider it so if you hadn't listened to the podcast this would have been on your list yeah but if you that's weird if you don't listen to other people one person like i could pull up 20 articles right now that from deaf communities that praised it yeah but you could pull up 20 articles about anything and it's just considering another side of an argument but it's just one person's side no one podcast there were four people discussing it on the same podcast okay (laughs) i'm just saying i find it interesting that you really really liked the film and then one person's perspective was like oh no i don't like it anymore another perspective it's not just one person's perspective it's people whose takes on film i very much respect Mm -hmm. and sometimes agree with Mm -hmm. and they presented another argument which made me rethink what i thought i don't think there's anything wrong with that no i just don't i just find it interesting to completely just do a 180 on the film that i didn't do a 180 i went from a 10 to an 8 which means it's no longer in my top 10 films consideration. I don't think that's that big of a deal. I just think it's, I don't know. Like, on your own, if you really enjoyed the film, what does what other people think about it matter? It's not what other people think about it. It's the context that the film can be seen in. Okay. I just disagree with you. <laughs> if, take take it to a different, like, a culture thing, mm-hmm. you know? Like, if it was about any other culture and learning more about that culture and about what mm-hmm. might have been dangerous to that mm-hmm. being portrayed in that film and not having the IQ or the experience to point it out yourself mm-hmm. is not being swayed by one other person's opinion. It's learning. It's more cultural empathy than the film itself presents because there's more than two sides to any, you know, anything that you're portraying. So as much as representation can help, it Mm -hmm. can also be hurtful when you get so little out there. And then there's, you know, things that are, you know, disagreed upon, you know, I guess, but like if they had loved the film, you would have also loved it. I wouldn't be aware of the negative mm-hmm. aspects of it. Okay. Yes. And just, I feel like unless you're willing to do that for every film, then like... I am. Fair? I listen to reviews on every film and they sway my opinions. It's the same reason that, you know, that other films drop down my list. That, you know, like I loved other films that we'll talk about in the honorable mentions and people bring up criticisms and I see them and then it makes me recontextualize what I think. I guess that's why we're different. Like that I don't, if like a critic is like, I didn't like this or they're like, I didn't like it for this reason. I'm like, well, I still liked it. It's the, (laughs) 
it's the how I met your mother glass breaking thing, you know? Like if somebody points out a flaw or a typo in a mm-hmm. in an otherwise impeccably written paper, yeah. that paper gets a B now, you know, or whatever. <laughs> you take points off. And that's yeah. what it like these are things these okay. top 10 just, movies are things that i can't take many points it's off just of. hard for me that my number one is not even anywhere on your list or on your honorable mentions my number one wouldn't be and I my number see, even if you saw number my one. number one and my number two they wouldn't be anywhere close to your top but 10 that's list. just because of the genre not right like, coda was such an amazing film and it's just making me angry that you're letting <laughs> one small perspective be like no that's all that like when like I said, where most of the deaf community, like you, oh, f- first of all, we can't speak about most of any community. Well, I'm here. sorry, but a lot, so many articles like lauded this film. Yeah, like, and I could find for, for a, representing this. And I could find a lot this. of articles that criticize it from the same point of view that was discussed on the podcast as, as well. Yeah, I guess in the end, we can't really have an opinion at all about it because we're hearing people. Yeah, but that's why I take into consideration, like, you know, the multiple viewpoints and then try to rethink about it. And then it lost some points and thus got knocked out of my top 10. Okay, we're not going to see either on this one, so we should just move on. <laughs> oh, great. Now I'm get talk two minutes about a movie you never saw and that I've already discussed on a podcast. <laughs> and that's my number one film of the year. And that is The Green Knight. Because it is excellent on every level and monica would hate it (laughs) no i really don't think i would i don't think you would like it okay i I don't think i would hate it though i do want to see it especially since i feel like it's gonna be an oscar i don't nominee no no you don't think so no i i very much doubt it really possibly dev patel and possibly it rightfully should be cinematography but other than that no i i doubt very much that this gets any Oscar nominations. Really? A24 has like eight total Oscar nominations in the past like five years, which is A24 absolutely is so criminal because they just churn out amazing and thoughtful films. Um, but anyway, now that I gotta like take a walk or something because you got me all heated and now I can't, <laughs> I can't praise the Green Knight like I should. I'm sorry. You can go talk about Green Knight. Go it is... ahead. What's so great about it? That it's at your number one. It is, first of all, visually arresting. It is the best-looking film that I saw all year. And probably, you know, in the last couple of years. Just absolute gorgeous visuals, luscious forests, um, awesome, like, castle interiors lit by candlelight, Mm -hmm. um, amazing nighttime fog, fantastical, you know, magic realism-type elements. Um, everything, you know, on screen just looks absolutely gorgeous. Okay. And then there is the, you know, chival- chivalric cold of it all. Mm-hmm. The the examination of what I think is toxic max- masculinity masked as, you know, this code of honor. Okay. And what does it really mean to be honorable? And what does it mean to prove yourself as someone who means something in these Mm -hmm. times um so uh you know without getting too much into the plot Gawain makes a choice in the first 10 minutes that 
is driven by his want to be somebody, to be a knight, to be, you know, it, at the round table, at at the hand of King Arthur, mm-hmm. etc. And, you know, Arthur kind of even tells him before he makes that choice, like, do you know what you're doing? Like, mm-hmm. you have to think about what you're doing and not just, you know, make blind choices and etc. And then it's about him dealing with that and the journey that he goes on to learn, you know, a lesson or to not. And then what how he deals with his consequences or how he runs from them mm-hmm. and uh yeah i just i love every minute of this film You're right. I, I probably wouldn't like this movie no i'm saying you won't and <laughs> that sounds really boring <laughs> you uh yeah so is there at least any sword fighting huh is there any sword fighting there's no there's like no sword fighting there's a night movie not with really. no sword fighting no because it's not about mm. it's it's uh, yeah <laughs> that does sound that me yeah no it's not (laughs) but it's for many people and it is a beautiful beautiful film Mm -hmm. and amazingly well acted by dev patel i love him and uh yeah it uh it should be nominated for things but it very much won't be i don't know we'll come back after the oscar nominations i will bet you right now on this podcast something i don't know what (laughs) but i i will bet you that it gets Two nominations at most. Okay. Well, that's still an Oscar nomination. Yeah, but but it won't be talked about as like a, this will definitely win this category. It's just like the fifth one down on the oh, list. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily going to win Oscars, but yeah. I think it's going to be mentioned. Yeah. I think it's going to be like, eh, it's over there on the list, but nobody really, <laughs> nobody really talks nobody's going to vote for it, you know, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, The Green Knight. There you go. My there. number one film of 2021. I think the only film that I saw twice in theaters this year. Ah. Um, and not necessarily the only one I would consider. I would go see Spider-Man again. But yes. for different reasons. It's It was like, I as soon as I got out, it was like, that was, it, there was a feeling in my chest. Oh, that's you know, nice. um, That I got uh, with midsummer kind of the same kind of feeling like mm-hmm. whoa that was powerful <laughs> you know um yeah and it was like i need to see it again and then i tested positive for covid and then f- four weeks later i finally got to see it again <laughs> but um and when you turn out you falsely tested positive for covid and yeah like, i think so yeah <laughs> um so there yes that's we, that's our top 10 we both agree the number one experience of 2021 is in and of itself yeah i would i would say so yes um and then we have strongly different opinions on our yeah theatrical number ones yep even uh, if i had probably seen green knight i yeah. probably would have felt very different fairly similar opinions on the bottom halves of our list but yes uh, yeah no, and generally speaking i think we agreed most of these movies are good but yeah. it's just the level of greatness that determined yeah. whether it yeah and again for me we're talking about the difference between a 10 and a 9 between mm-hmm. the top half and the bottom half yeah sure and then a 9 and an 8 for not making the list and actually for most of these it's 9s and 9s so mm-hmm. if we move on now to our honorable mentions yeah, category we can just kind of quickly go through some of these mm-hmm. and uh the one that we share on this list uh let's just talk about the pixar of it all is yeah. luca luca yeah yeah it was on my list at first. Yeah, it was on your list until like two minutes before we yeah, started recording. I was like re-looking at the list. And it, 
I really did enjoy this film. I think it's really cute, and I liked the themes, and there was just a really great, like, boys being friends and affectionate that I just really mm-hmm. loved, like, the message. But, like, it wasn't yeah like, great. Yeah, I and think that that's kind of exactly where I am, is that it's not... I don't really know why. It's not inside <laughs> out. It's not, yeah. you know, like, top, top tier. Um, yeah, I... I think honestly for me it was like a little too serious. Like there wasn't enough funny. I could see that. Um I I do wonder if my if my opinion would be slightly higher of it if we were able to see this in theaters. Could be. I mean it was beautiful. Like It's visually. absolutely beautiful, but you know, is our projector the best way to mm-hmm. to be presented that beauty? Yeah, but and I don't think that's what made it not no but in a theater there is a different you know it's there's a different feeling that you get from it and i think disney um really kind of screwed up lately with not giving pixar any theatrical releases um Mm -hmm. as of you know in the the pandemic era you're right i agree um it really kind of makes me mad (laughs) and uh yeah and that's why luca just kind of missed out for me um Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, what's uh, What are some of the other ones you had on your honorable mentions? So my other honorable mentions, uh, and here's where we disagree more, and I talk about a film that Monica still have, Wait, hasn't seen what? either. I'm just noticing this now. Like, this film <laughs> almost made it to your top ten. Give me a break, Sean. Give me a break. I wasn't going to talk about it, but now I guess I kind of have to. You <laughs> forced my hand. Uh, it's a nice little film called We Broke Up. Um, this is... Uh, mm-hmm. It's... Uh, I, I thought it was great. Can I thought you it was... remember like two things about the film? Yeah, they break up. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> but do they? Not no, really, it's sort of kind of. It's about a couple that breaks up um, right before a wedding weekend mm-hmm. of mutual friends. Um, possibly a sister. I yeah. don't remember we, exact details. We talked about. We did a podcast on this. We did. Yeah. I don't believe we did. Mm, I feel like we did because we argued about it a lot. Oh, it might have been in the extremely long, uh, here's the 40 movies we've watched in the six yes. months we didn't podcast. Yes. <laughs> um, which was called uh, What We Did on Our Summer summer Vacation. Um, let me see. I'm just checking now. I, I don't see it on there. Okay, maybe we didn't. Maybe we just argued about it in yeah. the house. Um, but it's Aya Cash, who you may know from uh, You're the Worst, which was on FX, mm-hmm. a great TV show, and William Jackson Harper from The Good Place, uh, Chidi Aragonier. Um, and they play a couple that literally in the first scene breaks up uh, and has to deal with you know the close proximity of uh, family and living situations at a weekend at a destination wedding for some of their best friends. Mm-hmm. And just to me, it was incredibly real and human and it, it wasn't, didn't feel like a like movie version of it just felt like how things happen. And I, I really very much enjoyed it. And it's an honorable mention, so I'm not going to go too deep on it. But mm-hmm. Monica's face says you're an idiot. And I didn't say you're nothing, an idiot. No, your face said I'm no, an, idiot. Not an idiot. And that nothing I just said I is. I just disagreed with all any, the things you said. <laughs> any, uh, you know, bit of truth to it at all. But I, I think it's absolutely worth a watch. And um, if you like, I don't know if I would call it like mumblecore, um, but it's just that, you know, kind of. 
um, almost doesn't even seem like fully written, you know, just kind of loose. Uh, there's like a lot of dialogue, but then a little bit of, you know, just actual, you know, acting in mm-hmm. the, in the situation. But I thought it was great. We broke up. <laughs> uh, do you want to go ahead and name one of yours? Oh yeah. I don't we'll know if you're going go back and forth on yours. I don't know. No, 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 let's go back and forth. Uh, you have one more than I do. Oh, okay. I'll talk about these two together then. Um, one movie Sean was very surprised wasn't on my list because I loved it so much. Absolutely <laughs> just out of my, like, why is this not in your top 10? Because I saw it twice and I just loved it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and it's for everybody and you say everybody should go is, see it. Uh, Shang-Chi. I loved, I did love this film. It The action was awesome. Um, it was just a really different type of superhero movie one that i had never true. heard of before um and i loved it <laughs> you and like 80 percent of the world yeah um it just the fight scenes were so cool um it didn't make my list mainly because the i didn't love like the ending battle which is pretty important to yeah, a um that's you know superhero movie that's kind of like the most common criticism yeah but it, it's and, that it devolves into and ultimately it's not like fantastic writing it was just fun to watch and yeah. like see someone you know kick kick butt but like mm-hmm. i wouldn't call it the best film okay. of the year like okay i think people will enjoy it but i don't think it's like this masterpiece of a film yeah similarly I... an honorable mention for me was also jungle cruise yeah super Same fun reason. not super gonna fun. not gonna lie that so was funny. a really fun film ridiculous like not really fight like escape scenes and things like that um, was just very witty, yeah. very funny. It's The uh, Rock. The Rock being but, The Rock. But it's not going to be, like, yeah. the best film. Yeah. Um, just so that my opinion is on the record of Shang-Chi, I mm-hmm. thought the uh, beginning of it was really, really good. And then um, I fell asleep in the middle third mm-hmm. uh, in the theater. And uh, the final battle was cool, but not what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Uh, good. Definitely not. Not even close to my top ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jungle Cruise, yeah, is super fun, so but fun. just not the kind of like, it, like I said with Barb and Star, like you know, really good entertainment films mm-hmm. can be top ten worthy, but this mm-hmm. wasn't you know quite there. No, no, and it wasn't trying to be. So, no, yeah. no. Um, so one film that almost made my top ten, uh, but didn't just because story essentially Mm -hmm. uh general plot (laughs) reasons Mm -hmm. uh was west side story uh everything besides the general story of it which (laughs) is just romeo and juliet Mm -hmm. let's be honest um was absolutely incredible the cinematography like this is i think what will beat the green knight if it's even nominated oh this is definitely gonna be nominated for everything yeah because it's old broadway and it's steven spielberg yeah i mean that's just everyone just like salivates for that yeah it's um it's gonna be nominated, but i think rightfully so in a lot of categories um definitely not writing definitely not writing (laughs) or best picture no um but But it will it will probably be nominated for that direction definitely direction was absolutely stellar like spielberg just knows how to shoot a movie and Mm -hmm. whether it's action like big things blowing up whether it's small you know like et style things mm-hmm. um he just knows where to put the camera to really milk every thing out of the scene mm-hmm. and it's w- colored in a very awesome style where it, 
kind of looks retro like mm-hmm. like it's almost um technicolored like it was shot in yeah, black yeah. and white and then colored you know by uh, a group um yeah i just i loved everything the singing the dancing the performances everything but just the dumb story is oh like gosh. so good i was just really hoping they were going to update it a yeah little bit more. no they it's really just like they don't i'll die for you oh you it's okay you killed my brother i still love you like give me a break yeah they're like 18 they just met just glanced at each other and now they're in love dying want to run away together like give me a break yeah i think hollywood is way over that yeah (laughs) and then there's the um kind of weird kind of representation with it too and like stereotyping that yeah thankfully this version i think removed a lot of and definitely actually cast latinx yeah, uh, yeah, actors yeah. and actresses so that's a, that's a step forward better things yeah uh, there in that regard yeah but like i i cry at everything and i did not even come close to shed a tear yeah because because i cannot really i can't get behind the you fact danced that for two other. minutes and kissed once behind like, some I'm bleachers like, get over it you're young yeah. there's plenty of other people yeah like, I can't. that didn't kill your brother so i couldn't emotionally connect so yeah I'm like no but um, everything else is gorgeous yes <laughs> And Ariana DeBose is awesome. Oh, she is stellar. She is just a star. Um, oh. So another musical that yeah. almost made your list. Oh, it was Tick, Tick, Boom. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Sean didn't love this one as as much as I did. No. Nope. Um, but it was, I mean, I kind of, it was there for a little bit. And then I was like, nah, it can't be there. But it was um, just another fun, I mean, I love the musicals. And mm-hmm. I love how they took taking songs and weaving them to tell a story is is just awesome yeah uh, but ultimately uh didn't make um the list yeah, i agree it should not be on our list yeah. <laughs> and then uh lastly for me which i talked about in our uh what we did over summer vacation <laughs> yeah. um is the night house the night house the only uh horror film that came close to being on my list this year mm-hmm. um uh, as I mentioned before, I think this is a great examination of grief and playing the horrors of that um, and the really dealing with um, an untimely death, but I think more specifically a, a suicide and the you know kind of lingering effects of did I really know what was going on in this person's life and you know they build really cool like horror trope type aspects around this kind of um you know uh, this sense of someone who uh did you know take their own life and like what the kind of dark side of them was and this kind of other Mm. um sense of this other half of them that you knew nothing about prior to that and interesting kind of really build upon that in the the dread and the suspense yeah yeah it's i would definitely say horror i I don't know borderline i don't know what suspense and horror and thriller really like the differences are Mm -hmm. you know it's not um a slasher film and it's not like a um haunting per se um but i i would definitely place it in the horror category okay yeah I, i thought it was excellent because that sounds interesting. <laughs> I, I do think it's a rare, you know, horror, air quotes, uh, mm-hmm. film that you would watch oh, and okay. enjoy. Um, you know, it, of the, like, hereditary stripe. Gotcha. But um, I don't know if I liked it more than hereditary, or, or I might have, actually. Huh. Yeah. Hmm. And then I had one more of mine, one that you did not see. Uh, no. And that is Limbo. 
Uh, and this is a movie about uh, refugees on a Scottish island uh, waiting to get um, like green cards, essentially, mm-hmm. uh, to be able to stay in like the United Kingdom. Um, and it's, I think it's just very timely and, you know, a look at like the refugee um, experience. It's funny um, and sad, like kind of all at the same time and just gives a different point of view, mm-hmm. you know, that you don't necessarily um, consider all the time. And just the relationships amongst the these refugees from, you know, like different cultures and different countries um, is is very interesting and in that they're they all want the same thing um, and sort of you know are you happy for somebody that gets something that you don't and um, that sort of that sort of thing it's not like it's usually not the type of movie I like kind of just like slice of life mm-hmm. like moment it was sadder than I thought it was going to be mm-hmm. thought it was going to be a little bit funnier um, but in the end it um, it was a really great film and I could could have made it to like my 10 but yeah. Not quite. Yeah, I uh, I do wish I would have seen this. Um, mm-hmm. I really am interested to see uh, when I do get around to watching it whether whether I think it would be, you know, um, it would it could take you know the ten spot from being the Ricardos or, um, you know, even higher. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, well, you can update this later. <laughs> mm-hmm. See if it uh, is above or below the bar. Oh wow! Because. Oh my goodness. Because it's called Limbo. Yeah, wow. Limbo. Full of the puns. Yeah, that's probably as low as I can go. Oh oh my goodness. (laughs) Moving on. Speaking of disappointing and terrible things. Well, wait, do we want to end with the bad or do we want to. No, because I don't. I don't know. I don't want to leave on a, you know, terrible tasting note. We just rush through it and then get to other. Like a band aid. Yeah. All right, the worst slash most disappointing films of 2021. And let's not dwell on these. No, no, no. Well, because some of them we've already talked about. Um, I think we can definitely agree the most disappointing film for both of us this year. One we had high expectations for and did not get Mm -hmm. was... Old. old. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, just... sometimes was on the cusp of being a you know an excellent Shyamalan entry and Mm -hmm. then ultimately just fell flat with a lot of the choices and a lot of the dialogue Um, all of the dialogue let's be honest it was just subpar we we tore this movie apart in a previous episode so we don't have to yeah Uh, yeah but and it necessarily it wasn't necessarily bad no I mean it's just coming from yeah but like it wasn't (laughs) Shyamalan movie would you like yeah uh, it's just, it I, was very I think the dialogue is just the the thing that for me takes it into a objectively bad film mm-hmm. um, whereas most of the rest of it is middling yeah to uh, I think above average mm-hmm. some parts of it but yeah um, for me one of my biggest disappointments was Venom 2 uh, mm-hmm. Venom 1 you know was <laughs> not uh, it's not the dig yeah. <laughs> by any stretch uh, of your symbiote, but um, it was fun and weird and energetic and like so strange that it kind of like surprised me mm-hmm. and was very interesting and uh, something where I was like, okay, I don't, 
I still don't know what this was, but I had a real fun time with it. Mm-hmm. And Venom 2 was just like, they they hit all the wrong notes again. Like mm-hmm. they, the the stuff that was really good in Venom 1 was not what they played around with in Venom 2. And mm. it was just kind of all over the place. And no. just, it was a bummer. No. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't make it. Yeah. Uh, and another movie that we talked about on a previous episode. Um, I mean, not that I had a high expectations going in. Um, but it was awful, terrible. I could have walked out on the movie, and that was Finding You. When I thought it was going to be a fun little rom-com. Yeah. Taking place in Ireland, and it yeah. was just awful writing, terrible. I don't yeah. wish it on my worst enemy to watch it. <laughs> I, I feel like it was a good first draft of somebody's better rom-com, mm-hmm. but it was just that it got made as it was. Uh, there were a couple nuggets in there, there that like things, but... could have been an interesting thing to to tackle, uh, like with her relationship with the elderly woman. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, it was just like wolf. Yeah, you're right. It's like nobody read this over. <laughs> yeah. And you just like submitted your yeah. Draft. Just just find somebody to punch it up and yeah. give give it some kind of uh, point of view and personality, and it could have been decent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, one of the slightly boring films for me this year was No Time to Die, the new mm-hmm. Bond film. Um, I don't know. I just, it didn't reach, uh, besides like two of the action scenes, mm-hmm. um, I thought, you know, it didn't really get my blood pumping in any kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, it was well done. I'm not saying it was like a bad movie. It just, uh. It didn't do it for me specifically. Um, I still kind of prefer the like Mission Impossible model of sure. the like amazing action sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there weren't enough gadgets. There's, yeah, there, there's, I like, agree with you on that. There, there was enough. no like gadgets. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a whole lot of like cool spy. This stuff. was more of a sort of just like a homage farewell to Daniel Craig. I feel yes. like that it wasn't. Yeah. And in that sense, mm-hmm. it does really well, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I still want like the Bondy stuff. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I would agree with you on that. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't on my like worst list, but yeah. I, you make good points. Mm-hmm. Um, and then oh boy, yeah, this movie, uh, the trailer looked really interesting. Um, it's not necessarily a time in history that I like care that much about mm-hmm. or necessarily interested in. Uh, but that was the movie Spencer about um, Princess Diana and like kind of just takes place around like the holidays it's like, it's three days like three days total, yeah, it's like right? a holiday weekend it's, it's the like day christmas before christmas christmas and boxing day yes yeah um and um kristen stewart did a great job i thought she was acting sure. very well um i asked sean to leave about <laughs> halfway through the movie no, it wasn't halfway through. The movie. There was there was twenty minutes left. No, it, it was felt, more than twenty minutes. It felt like it was two no, and a half hours like, into the movie. There were like thirty five minutes left. Nah, yes, there were. I feel like five of them. And was I was crazy, like, but... "Can we just go home?" And he was like, "How much time is left?" And I was like, "Probably about thirty minutes." And he was like, "No, let's just stick it out." And I could have would have been fine if we left. It was just I I don't even. It was just boring. It didn't go anywhere. I honestly think they made Princess Diana look like whiny and entitled that was my i think biggest problem with it was that they didn't 
do a great job of showing us any of the like any of the like struggle that she was going through Mm -hmm. like the first things we're told like literally told is Mm -hmm. how terrible they all are but Mm -hmm. we're not shown anything we just we're just relying on our you know prior knowledge through if you watch like the crown or like ra so much prior knowledge yeah i really i had very hard time knowing who was who and how Mm -hmm. they related to anything like i don't follow the the royal no, family at all expected you to know about his affair their affairs and like yeah. so much stuff and so like with all that prior knowledge maybe this is a better film but i think that's a that's not good yeah. it was like <laughs> oh they tell me what dress to wear oh poor me like i feel like she probably had real issues that yeah. were like hard to deal with yeah. and this movie made them like trivial things yeah and going into this i had heard like a lot of people on podcasts like oh it shot like a horror film and like there's like all mm-hmm. this and i did not get I any of that, that. like there was no sense of like suspense or dread or any kind of no, like i didn't really know where it was going no any kind of uh you know blah yeah. type feeling at all um yeah just ultimately pretty boring absolutely yeah lastly for me um a24 uh put out a trailer that i didn't really watch um you know i just kind of saw the first 20 seconds and then saw the a24 logo and it's like yep i mean <laughs> uh it's a film called lamb that um i think this was more my expectations of it uh and it not living up to those than it was the film being bad i don't think it's a bad film at all mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted a little bit more from it than what I kind of assumed was happening in the beginning and then turned out to happen. Um, and then I really didn't care for the resolution of the film either. It okay. felt very deus ex machina to me in that just something kind of happens and then it's like, oh, like that wrapped up everything nicely. <laughs> um, so ultimately, I, I think it was interesting and it was well made but just for me fell short of what i wanted out of it mm-hmm. so that's lamb <laughs> that's lamb. yeah it's not bad it's just kind of oh my god it's just kind of meh He's, wow yeah so full of them tonight yeah. oh wow sorry that was wooly bad oh my god turn off his microphone uh finally do you <laughs> hate me oh my gosh moving on <laughs> To the next list. I'm sorry. I'm milking it. <laughs> oh my gosh. You don't milk a sheep. Uh, a goat. Lamb. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I shanked that one. Oh I'm back. Gosh. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> what, um, are we, what are we talking about now? Yeah. We, we just had a couple of best films as the new to us. That they yes. Didn't, things they that we saw this year didn't, didn't come, come out, out in 2021. Yeah. Um, but just had a couple of movies. Uh, that we you know really enjoyed mm-hmm. um two of them for me um the first one is band-aid um two words yes band aid um about a couple that decides to instead of fighting all the time um taking their fights and turning them into songs yes or basically fighting while they're singing um and what i thought was just going to be a like silly comedy actually then turned into be a pretty dramatic film yes with like real issues um, so I was a little like bummed because I was looking for like a light hearted movie that night. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to think too hard. So part of me was like, oh, I didn't want to be like serious. 
But then at the end, I was like, that was actually like a good movie. And yes. I thought it was going to be just this like silly thing. And like yeah. in the end, it's all going to be okay. And then like there's this little curveball thrown at you like, whoa, okay, this is like real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they they get into some stuff and they tackle some things. And mm-hmm. um, it starred Zoe Lister-Jones uh, and who also wrote and directed it. Oh, that's right. Um, uh, you may know her as Fawn Moscato from The New Girl. Um, oh. she had a I don't know five or six episode arc where she dated Schmidt, uh, and then uh, the male lead is Adam Pally, mm-hmm. who is from Happy Endings and so many other good Love things. Mm-hmm. He's up there with uh, Jake Johnson as one of my <laughs> favorite mm-hmm. actors uh, of the comedic bent. But um, I think honestly, it it's kind of funny to me because I would really kind of liken this movie to We Broke Up in the sense that it like honestly deals with a couple's like issues in very real ways that you know kind of have a a slightly you know elevated weirdness to it but um, felt very you know real and kind of you know down to earth felt way more real than we broke up i i disagree those weren't like anyway we're Um, not talking about that anymore no but i agree that this film is is really really good and kind of took me by surprise and that Mm -hmm. um like you said like just went in for some yuck yucks and then mm-hmm. just got like whoa yeah. gut punched a couple times and mm-hmm. uh adam pally uh just absolutely brings it mm-hmm. as far as performance and uh lister jones as well so yeah mm-hmm. great great movie yeah um what's the, another one we had on your list John? uh one that i had on my list and i think that you had on yours as well and this is one that we've talked about on the podcast before mm-hmm. um is extreme job uh, it's a Korean action comedy, I would say. Yes. I, I think mm-hmm. um, kind of in the vein of Hot Fuzz, it it takes very similar. It takes a um, a police uh, unit, I'll mm-hmm. say, uh, and kind of <laughs> forces them into this weird undercover type uh, situation yeah. where they're running a restaurant and mm-hmm. the restaurant takes off and like does the, really the, well. Like recipes actually really good. And so they have to think like, well, do we want to be cops? Like <laughs> we could be restaurateurs. <laughs> like this is a thing. And just the way that it treats action of like shooting things like they're from action movies, but they're mm-hmm. talking about you know um, menus or like yeah. ingredients and like putting things together. Like mm-hmm. just this this movie was absolutely awesome so much fun uh if you want to hear more of what we thought about it uh go back to episode 12 uh from earlier on this year yeah we talked about it and we talked about it a lot um because it really is like it's one of those movies i might revisit and i don't often revisit films that are subtitled yes i would watch this again. like hardly ever but Mm -hmm. there is so much going on here and there's so uh so much great physicality that Mm -hmm. like really the language barrier does not hold it back absolutely at all yeah um <laughs> and then from an amazing uh foreign adventure with amazing style and direction to Monica's <laughs> next film that she wants to talk about which is Eurovision. Yes. The uh, this we were a little late song to the of Fire Saga yeah, I believe. Yeah. We were late to the game on we this. We were. One. Yeah. It was sort of like always like oh we should watch that we heard it's funny but then like other more serious movies came out and we wanted to see them. Yeah, and, and if I remember correctly it came out kind of during the holiday period when we were trying to get in a lot of films that were you know like your oscar kind of contenders sure. and um there's a lot of like thanksgiving cr- maybe it was a- <laughs> yeah and cramming for 
you know, these list type shows as we yeah. put together our top tens and it's like, well, I don't think it's going to make it. Yes. <laughs> and, um, I mean, it's like, I put it all kind of in line with like Barb and Star. Like, it's just great comedy. It's so funny. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's, um, a fictional, fictional group, but a real thing where yes, the Eurovision Song yeah, Contest is is like, real and you know people from many different countries trying to compete for the best song of the year. Um, but the two of them are from Iceland, and um, it's just so funny, like their their country behind them, um, trying to get it, but then ridiculous physical comedy, um. So we like, oh my gosh, did that just happen type of thing? But in the end, it just had me laughing so hard um, that I would watch it many times over again. Yeah, um, it was, it's it's great. I don't think, uh, I wouldn't put it in the same elevated category as Barb and Star. Yeah, I, think, I mean, not as, it's not as well written, but yeah. I just mean just that really fun comedy. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's absolutely, um, I think as almost as entertaining mm -hmm. just not as quality agreed yeah um so then the last film that i want to mention is actually a film that i watched last night mm -hmm. um and i watched <laughs> it last night um because i mistakenly thought it was a 2021 film and uh i would say that if this was a 2021 film it would be possibly two or three mm -hmm. on my list um this is a film called nine days and uh, i recently heard about it um, and it was pitched to me as a science fiction movie um, that's about a job interview process. Mm -hmm. And I think the science fiction's a little odd to say. Um, I, I wouldn't... It, it, if you think sci-fi, I don't think this kind mm -hmm. of a film comes to mind. Um, it's got a very like high-concept premise mm -hmm. to it. Um, I won't give away what that is. But I will say that in the end, there's so much that gets examined about life and what it means and kind of what it means to be an artist. And mm. um, I think, again, the, the theme of like what is strength and how does one show that they are strong mm. and what's the value in that even and um there's just a lot of kind of philosophical things explored in this um at the heart of it is winston duke who played uh baku in black panther oh. and was the lead in us uh jordan peele's uh oh, cool. second movie um he is absolutely like lights out great really? in this film he is stellar um with uh, uh benedict wong and zazie beats uh who you may know from atlanta the tv show um oh. she was also in the harder they fall which is kind of like an honorable honorable mention for me because <laughs> that movie was awesome <laughs> um but yeah, Zazie Beetz's character is so excellent. <laughs> like, just as, like as a person, like, um, it's really very, very interesting. And I don't want to give away the premise because I think going in, if you just kind of like let it happen to mm -hmm. you, it's it's cooler. Um, but her character is such a great um, magnifying glass on like 
like all the themes that I've I've kind of mentioned before, mm-hmm. and the uh, the final like uh, moments of this film are just like so powerful. Um, yeah, I I love this movie, mm-hmm. and I would recommend it if you're into heady. Uh, I would say slow moving, but essentially no moving, like conversation type films. Yeah. Well, it sounded interesting at first. I don't. That doesn't sound. Interesting. I don't think you're gonna get what I got out of it, and mm-hmm. I honestly, um, I don't think you'll like it. Hmm. Yeah, to be honest. Okay. I, I think you would probably end up rating it like a six. Oh, well, I still kind of want to watch it. I think you should, good. but I would be surprised if you feel the exact same way that I do. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I thought it was incredible. It was really good. Nice. And Tony Hale was in it. Oh, I like him. Tony Hale is like quietly one of the most interesting actors of our time. He is very good. He does really good small roles in mm-hmm. big things. He does really good like medium roles in weird stuff. <laughs> yeah. And then the the couple of films that I've seen that he stars in are like very interesting, like Eat Wheaties and Oh yeah. Um there was another one, I forget what it was, but um yeah, Tony Hale, awesome actor. Should get more um notoriety, I think. I agree. Um but yeah, that was that rounds out my list of the best new to um me. Yeah. Wait a second. I think I took off a movie because I thought we were both going to talk about it, but we didn't end up talking about it. And that was Memories of a Murder oh. from Bong Joon-ho. Oh, that was a great one, um, too. Just fantastic film. I think we covered that on a previous episode we as did. well. Um, yeah, just a, a fantastic modern noir um, with just great elements of suspense. Mm-hmm. and uh, A very interesting ending. Yeah, yeah. Very, very interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, we've, we've talked about that one. So I'll just kind of glance over that, but that was like my number three on my top 10 list of new to me movies. So yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, that is, if you're looking for movies to watch. Yeah. We just gave you two hours worth of conversations around our opinions on the best movies of 2021. Yeah. Even though we greatly differ on some of our opinions yes so what are what are yours tell us what your favorite movies of 2021 were and you can do that what why are you looking at me like i'm stupid i'm talking to the madams oh you're like looking at me like tell us what your favorite one is you're just directly in front of me of course i'm looking at you (laughs) like we just spent two hours talking about oh boy oh boy oh boy i thought you were like redoing the opening or something madams it's not even that late it's only 10 50 and this is how loopy monica gets listeners tell us what your favorite tell us what your favorite movies are drop us a line at marriedmoviespodcast at gmail.com or uh like we said we've got facebook married at the movies and we have an instagram married movies mm-hmm. podcast so get in touch with us tell us what what's your top five what's your top 10 yeah. what's the um, movie we didn't watch that uh, we should have watched be and should have been on our list yeah what did we miss what did we what no love for blah, blah, blah. yeah what is um French French Dispatch. I don't know. Like, yeah, what it was it, good. I I very much enjoyed it, yeah. but at the end of the day, I think it was more just kind of delightful than it was good. Uh, like agreed. it was a lot of fun to be in that world. I but, can see that. Yeah. yeah. So tell us why we're wrong, and yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, next time we'll um, probably looking at uh, Oscar nominations. And uh, not quite yet. I don't think so. The nominations come out like the beginning of next month, don't they? 
I don't know. Mm. Fill for time. I thought I thought we did. Anyway, or maybe we'll have a uh, special Spider-Man episode. Coming yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like we're going to need a Spider-Man episode. Um, I feel like I haven't discussed this with you yet, but I feel oh. like we should invite Matt Stewart back in um, on the show to discuss The Matrix since you have not seen it and seem against uh, I don't know. Uh, seeing I'll watch it, it in general. Maybe don't know. Um, I got feelings. Okay. I got feelings All from right. Adams. Um, yeah. Uh, so that's going to do it, right? Yeah, I think so. Take us out. Yes, that will be the end of the 21 films in review episode of Married at the, the movies. movies.